Hola's primos y primas and welcome back to My Primos Podcast. My name is Freddy. With me tonight is my primo and yours, El Siete, El Chicume. Say what's up, Walter. What's up, Mustang? Uh, too relaxed. I don't. Uh, you see me coming well, in like? Well, we got, we got I got some help help to interrupt you. I got some backup and so we can interrupt you. Um, okay, okay. So you're alluding to our to who's on uh-huh. the show with us today, but primos, we have a returning voice presence. I mean, a monolithic presence. I would say, <laughs> monomythic, mono. Yeah, it is Mr. Kevin Garcia. Say hello, Kevin. Man, salutations, guys. It is so good to be on. I I love being on your podcast. A couple times I've been on, and it's so good to be back. Definitely, you're back. But also to let everybody know, Kevin is now joining the primos on a permanent basis. He's going to be the now a primos. You the primos multiverse. The primo verse. It's the always primo. good to be part of the family. Mm. Always good part of the family. All right, we're, Kevin's going to join us. He's going to be on the show with us, hosting. We're going to ro- have a rotating hosting chairs here. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, can't have ten people on a show all the time. It's going to be fun. You know, still have interviews. We, we've tried it, but yeah, yeah. we've done it. I, <laughs> ten I remember the party. I remember the party. Yeah, the party. that was good. Yeah. You, you can have ten people on. It's just no one's yeah. going to hear anything. Yep, true. What's true. The, at that point, it's not about anybody listening. It's about whoever's there. Did whoever's party, the loudest. Did that party ever get posted online? It did. Because I was did. looking for it the other day, and I was like, is that on YouTube? I feel like it should be on YouTube. It should be on YouTube. I have the originals, and if the uh, uh, Texas Latino Comic Con family, Mr. Hector, allows me to, I will gladly post it. But I don't want to step on toes. You know, you don't want to oh, yeah. get get the overlords uh, upset with you. But primos, uh, tonight we're going to just discuss, uh, you know, the who's due, everything under the sun regarding geekdom, our thoughts on, you know, representation, uh, what's going on with us, and of course, just whatever primos talk about. So you guys can follow us at My Primos Podcast on all your social media, as well as any of your podcast services around the globe. Walter, what's up, man? It's been a week. Last mm-hmm. week to this week. What's new, my friend? Did you find baby formula? I have people I am I am in me. <laughs> hey, yeah, send me what one. you got, like <laughs> Ziploc bags, double bag it, and ship it. Um, well, baby bird it to you. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> no, he's he's good. Actually, I just got back from earlier. Just took a nap, actually. Uh, but oh, we just got earlier. Er, earlier took the kids to because I didn't work today, so took the kids to Chuck E. Cheese's for the for their second time. My third time, by the way, <laughs> in life. So, um, in life, like it's it's a it's uh baby mama was telling me like oh so you're gonna relive your you're you're gonna live you're vicariously gonna ride that that carousel. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> but you know, like, cheese is a rite of passage for kids. That, like, how old yeah. kids? Uh, two. She one is gonna be three in August. The other one, one in August. See, Chuck E. Cheese is necessary for that age. I still remember. Having my fifth birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese in San Antonio, I still yeah. remember to this day. Oh, uh, well, that, I mean, that holds in. Well, that, was- <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that that helps them because the one thing I was like, this is where you you bring your kids to, you know, hardy hardy up their their immune system. Immune like, system. Oh hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> you let them crawl around whatever they find on the ground. They eat. They're yeah. never going to get sick, man. They'll be allergic to nothing. So it seems like a Chuck E. Cheese is like a petri dish where you go get them sick. Um, but I don't know. Like we just okay. we did a. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that people should have like 
measles parties or something. Don't do that. But, no. you know, if you, you trust your kid in that ball pit, at, at, you know, that kind of stuff, they are going to come back. At, they're not going to have any allergies. <laughs> they, well, they've been exposed to everything. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, took them, took them for, the, for the third. Yeah, for the, for the third He's not time a doctor. To, <laughs> to Chuck E. Cheese's and they have fun. So I'm, I'm getting to. I don't know, man. Chuck E. Cheese was a luxury. Okay. Very luxurious. Uh, why do you think I, I guess that's why I only went once. Like I, I only had one big birthday in my whole childhood and it was that one. Yeah. <laughs> so did you get like Chucky to show up and bring out the cake and all that? No, well, we no, just, no, we it's, just pizza. it's a, isn't it? Because the one I went to just now, it's a, just a rope. Yeah. You got yeah. the Chuck E. Cheese robot just turning its head and back and forth. 45 degree. Like the, fr- like the what is it? Um, Five Nights yeah. at Freddy's kind That's of thing, like yeah. yeah. And then, and then you got like uh, teen or what is it, Bop Kids or something. You have like a, a screen where little kids are dancing to PG versions of fucking uh, Pantera. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, I wish. No, the weekend. No, the like, week, the weekend, and the weekend, and, and, and stuff. And if you're a fan it's of true. the weekend, I mean, if you're a fan of the weekend, half his songs are about cocaine. So then it's like, <laughs> and it's like some kids bopping to like the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, but anyways, yeah. No, my kids uh, older, so no Chuck E. Cheese. We did take them though. I'll be real. Yes, it's a rite of passage. We took them like once or twice. He rolled a little cart where you take a picture along with Chucky. That little paper printout version of that. We have that who, somewhere. Who, who else does that besides Chucky? Chucky e. Cheese. Well, it used to be yeah. Chuck E. Cheese and Pizza Time, but they merged. Didn't you? Did you grow up here in Texas, or did you grow up in Kansas? Dude, no, don't be what. No, no, I lived. I lived in Kansas for two years. Two years. Okay. That does not count as growing up there. Most of my life in Texas, I spent. I was born in Brownsville. First five years in San Antonio. Most of my life in Brownsville. Two years in Kansas. Because you broke down I mean, somewhere up there. Broke down. No, well, that's because my, my, my mom moved up there, and then she had family okay. up there. So Peter Piper's from out here, right? You, you're well Peter Piper Pizza. Yeah. Peter Piper Pizza. I grew up with that. Mr. Gaddy's is throughout. Gaddy, the there you go. Gaddy's. Gaddy's. Do they have, ga- Gaddy do they have games? I remember that too. Gaddy's has really? games. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Man. Okay. Well, now, no, oh, pizza and tons of games. In um, South uh, Southgate Shakey's. Do you guys have Shakey's out here? Shakey's. Yeah, that was a big thing. I don't know. Shakey's. That was a big thing. Abuela, quita mi papa mojo. I hated that commercial. <laughs> Papa's mojo. And I'm like, what the, it's just fucking wet potato wedges, homie. Like, call them what they are. Uh, <clears throat> when you say it's called Shakey's and you're comparing it to Chuck E. Cheese, I'm imagining just a really shaky robot going, but <laughs> uh, for me this week, man, it's been just kind of the same. James has jujitsu, he hurt his leg, he heard a he heard a, a big pop out of his leg when he was being re- when he was wrestling, and he kind of told me, like, I don't feel my toes. Should I be concerned? And I was like, Oh, maybe, but maybe you can walk it off. Let's see what happens. Like, I'm always at that school, of, like, let's just see what happens. I'm not the rush you to the hospital type. But I think that's, I don't know if that's a Latino thing or not, because I'm afraid to spend money. I don't need to if he's going to get better in two days. Yeah, same. <laughs> I, I, I've had, I'll be honest, personal experiences. I've had too many bad experiences with doctors when I was a kid and teenager that as an adult, I just almost never go. In fact, it's only mm-hmm. been since 2020 that I've regularly been going to, you know, doctor, dentist, ear doctor, all that kind of stuff. But like for most of my 20s and 30s, I barely went. Because no, I'm like, I'll get better, you know? Like, okay, I get bronchitis, right? Every time I get a cold, I cough for weeks. I went to a doctor once, and he's like, it's bronchitis. What are you going to do? I'm like, all right, you know? I feel like I've paid enough into it when I go to the doctor that 
It's almost like when you bring home a prescription. Okay, he last time I got sick, he prescribed this. He still looked good. When you open the bottle, the pills are all <laughs> yellow and bursting. Like maybe if I drink three, it'll work. Like well, that, that's a sad reality of American healthcare systems. It's too expensive, man. Yeah. Walter just wants healthcare, but yeah, here but we are we, arguing on Twitter. We, yeah, we want hotels on the moon and crypto. The cryptocurrency just took a seventy percent dive, apparently. So. Boom, all that money gone. That flew yeah. away. Kevin, yeah. what about you, man? I saw you posing some stuff here. It's summertime, right? Mm -hmm. Summertime means convention season. It's after would you say are we still in COVID? Out of COVID? Like I mean, what are we in? In vogue, out of in vogue. It sounds like you're asking for <laughs> we, we are always in vogue. No, we yeah. so we're in the endemic period where it's like it's just mm, ongoing, like you know. That. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's Fauci's words, man, not mine. <laughs> but, but the thing yeah. is, is that like when and I've told you guys this before. When COVID hit, I, I'd actually been following it on NPR since January. But but when it when March 2020 happened and it became real, real, I had eight conventions lined up for the next like three four months. They all got shut down, and I did not realize how much of my life was conventions, and it was gone. And then that summer, I did a bunch of, of YouTube interviews just so I could get kind of the feel. But it's just not the same without the audience. And uh, this past uh, spring and, and summer, I have been going to conventions again. I, I went uh, last year to Comic Palooza. Uh, I did uh, Hill Country and Greater Austin Comic Cons here in the, the Central Texas area last year. Uh, and I have I, I just went to a, a new one, uh, Kimo Kawai, uh, a few weeks ago. And then uh, coming up July eighth, I'm going to be one of the the moderators hosting at Greater Austin Comic Con, uh, you know, in Cedar Park. Uh, cool. and, uh, it's just on the one hand, you know, we have to still be careful and cautious, you know, I'm fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Um, I still got, I got, I, I'm, I'm upset that I'm the first in my family to get COVID and I just got it for the first time a month ago. So like, I, I <laughs> it finally hit me, uh, and I'm the one with the worst lungs in the family. So that's always fun. Uh, mm -hmm. but, <laughs> but I, do you see the cons? Are keeping kicking up again? Do you feel like the the energy is there because everybody's been like foaming to get out, foaming at the mouth to get out again to yeah. cons? Like, what are you seeing out there? The energy. Well, what's interesting is the way cons have been adapt adapting to it, right? So, like, uh, Comic Palooza last summer was the first in person one I'd done since uh, twenty nineteen, I guess, and they made it so they had like I don't know what the numbers exactly, but I'd say probably two thirds their normal uh, attendance. Uh, they spaced out all the areas between Artist Alley and the markets and that kind of stuff. And they even did most of their panels in the open area so nobody was locked into a room together. And I, I will say it was awkward in parts, but also it felt nice that they were putting that effort into it. And it was honestly nice to be able to walk around through the hallways of a big convention. No, when you when you say when you say awkward, was it awkward? Because you know, I feel there's you know, it's been, I guess, reported. Um, that people have more higher anxiety levels now that they're coming out of. Is it awkward in a social setting or or the setup or it's like to address the anxiety? I think so. You know, yeah. between between my friends and my students, I see that a lot. Mm -hmm. But the awkwardness I'm talking about is very specific to me. Oh. I, I, I give talks. <laughs> I, no, here's why: mm -hmm. I give talks on stage. I, I I moderate people on stage. I like to know what my environment is when I'm going to give those talks. So for example, if I'm giving like a, just a solo talk where I'm just going to be about like, here's the history of mythology or here's how superheroes evolved or whatever like that, then I'm usually in a small room that seats anywhere between 30 and 70 people. 
And, you know, it's pretty cool. I can handle that. Um, if I'm doing like a Q&A with a celebrity, I'm often in a bigger room that can handle like 150 people, maybe up to 1,000 people, depending on the room. Uh, at Greater Austin, we're actually going to be in a stadium area where they normally have hockey games. And so they're going to be in the stadium audience. Kevin on me. ice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, I'll, be inter- I'll be interviewing the uh, I'll be interviewing the cast of Batman the Animated Series. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Conroy and them, uh, and and that's cool. But that's cool. At Comic Palooza, I was doing a solo talk out in the open, and by that I mean the stage was in the middle of like Artist Alley and the markets and all that kind of stuff. So the artisans okay. and stuff. So that meant I had an audience of like thirty people. And then just hundreds of people walking by. And it's just a very awkward way to give a talk by yourself. It just didn't feel natural. I understood why they did it. They were trying to be more uh, careful and and be aware of like health concerns. I like that. Um, But I wasn't a mentally prepared because I hadn't talked in front of an audience in a year and a half and B prepared to talk in front of an audience that was in motion, trying to buy stuff, you know? I'm curious. It sounds like a, sounds like the eight twelve market right here off the in Austin where the guys like puzzle 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 and it's like you're trying exactly. to get people and it's like boo let me me and my birria after my hand. I, I was trying night. to do that. I was trying to like draw in the people like that. You're saying trying to say something funny that the audience would hear. And I'm, yeah. like, I'm, just, I'm curious that. because um my question como, is. Como <laughs> Yeah, you're in my way. I want to buy. Yeah. I want to buy this cute. I want to buy this cute anime girl pillow. But you're yeah. in the way. You're you're interrupting me. But what I'm saying is, I'm curious. Is it because the the cons would have to adapt, right, to make people comfortable with that space? Also, attendance is probably not as high as it used to be, and so they're trying to kind of highlight certain talks. Certain do you know? Things. Do you know that, or are you making an assumption? I'm I'm making an assumption okay. just from, from what I've read okay. here and there, but I'm seeing it pick up. But I'm getting at it maybe the adapting of maybe putting you out on the main floor, using that as a stage to not only hey look, it's not just somewhere to come buy shit. There's stuff going on. The convention's not just for you to come buy. It's not a mercado. It's not a swap meet. It's for you to come talk to these people, interact with these creators. Mm-hmm. Like they have to kind of highlight that too, because that's what typically conventions were for: is meeting up with like-minded people that can celebrate the culture they're 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 celebrating into, and having these intimate moments somehow, even if it's a room of fifty people with somebody you're a fan of. What do you say, Kevin? Well, let me give you an example. I went to the uh, San Diego Comic Con uh, special edition with Caden Phoenix and Henry Barajas, and and um. We talked at a, at, a, at a panels, a good size panels, about about average. But I will say I've been to San Diego Comic Con, the, the the regular summer one, like every other yeah. year for the past 10, 15 years. And every year I went, I was like, I am not going to go back again. It is just too crowded. It is too much. The first year I went, I slept overnight to get into Hall H, where all the big you know Marvel stuff is. Always, it was, it was an adventure. But then by the last time I went pre COVID, every single panel had a line that lasted hours. There was a line and this is like you have the main building and they have like the hotel on the side where they have like smaller panels. Yeah. A line for the smaller panel in the hotel went down by the pier and around the main convention center. That's ridiculous. You can't get into anything. The professional line waiters are doing this stuff. It's 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 but I went to the special edition in November and it was nice. Instead of 250,000 people, it was like eh, 
25,000 people. And it was nice. Uh, I don't, however, think that'll be the case from now on. I, I, I honestly feel like the I mean, they, they, I mean, they have to also be profitable, right? At the end yeah. of the day, yeah, you have to, the more people you can pull in. Um, well, in, in theory, in theory, there's slightly lower overhead because you maybe need less employees, less uh, food, less power, you know, in theory. Yeah. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> But, but I, I feel but like they're, they're I feel losing like the something. Ones, the, I guess yeah. it's going to change, right? But I guess currently what you've been seeing going in and out, kind of dipping your toe back in that pool, have you seen that the cons have had to kind of highlight the actual panelists or panels more than usual? I don't know about had to, but I think it's just uh, evolution of, of the cons. Like, uh, you know, when the convention started, they were just, especially comic book conventions, it was about the comic books. That was the idea. You know, I just looked yeah. at a picture recently that has Jack Kirby in the 70s meeting a Thing cosplayer, and that's just a thing of beauty, right? It is beautiful. Um, yeah. and, and then uh, come the 2000s, it was getting to be more and more about the movies and the actors and the celebrities. Um, the, uh, the one I've always heard is that they blame Twilight for the giant lines at San Diego because it was the Twilight fans that were the first ones to stay overnight to go to Hall H, according to the San Diego lore. And honestly, it was the year after that that I first went, so I'm, I'm not going to talk. But, uh, but the thing is, it just it, it's going to keep evolving. And so I think the idea of panels being a bigger deal now is just a nature of that evolution, not necessarily. I mean, okay. Go. So speaking of evolution, I, I there's this question that's been in my head, or or or, or uh, somebody posted something online, and I read it and was like, because I'm not too much of a big, you know consumer of, co of comic cons and all that stuff my brother Edding is stanley is um and they posted something uh, to the to in regards to it's like a like the they kind of posted a flyer of a comic con I, I won't say which one but they alluded to that there was only one comic book creator on the roster or whatever everybody everything else was cosplayers um, mm. and I was like, okay. hmm, is that, is, is that a thing? Is that the case? Cause I'm, I've also watched, uh, in Mexico, like they have comic cons as well. Right. And it's mostly like, you know, half naked women, you know, kind of all that stuff and big lines, people trying to take pictures with them. And it's not only women, it's men too, like, like sculpted by God, you know, type thing and looking <laughs> and, and sometimes sculpted by styrofoam. I've seen. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. So then they're like the embodiment, like the perfect. And then the, the guy was interviewing them. This kind of goes to with that as well. They were interviewing them and, and this like beautiful man dressed in and, and whatever. And is like, Oh, you're a fan. And it's like, Oh no, somebody suggested that, you know, I should do it. Cause look at me. Right. Um, so then it's like a very you can tell that it's they're not fans, but which is OK. You know, it's more people welcome to the events. Right. But then you can tell that there was a lot more emphasis on cosplaying and maybe and maybe the and maybe the sexual over sexualization of it. And maybe at least, more, mostly in anime. Right. I don't know. Honestly, though, but, that comes down to the same argument people have been making forever. Mm -hmm. Are you a real geek or are you a fake geek? Yeah. And it's all comes down to this. Are you going to be a gatekeeper? 
Are you going to stop somebody? Okay. I, I've known a lot of cosplayers that are real, like hardcore fans of anime, mm-hmm. whatever. And I've known a lot of cosplayers who are like, hey, somebody said I should play this character. And then I did. And since then, I've been watching every episode I could about this character. That's so, that's that's a lot of the. Uh, 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 they yeah, that, that's that's a lot of what people were saying in some of the videos. They would approach him. This guy would approach him and would ask him. And that was that was it. That was kind of like their entry. <laughs> Whose cat is that? Um, that's that was a kitty cat in the background. Yeah. What's that, what's the cat's name, Kevin? Since since yeah. she just she decided to join us. Yeah, she's an elderly cat. She is very talkative. Mm. Okay, what's the cat's name? What's her name? Sushi. 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 All right, we have Sushi the cat joining the show. Go get my chicken then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so then that's one way to bring people in, right? So, but is that a thing that? That that you see because you I mean, this is a question for both of y'all. Is that a thing that you see more that it's less an emphasis on the comic book creators and more on because at the same time, in from my observation, you have like the 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 what's the big con, the big one, the San Antonio one. I mean San Antonio, oh, the San Diego, San Diego one, right? San Diego, yeah, San Diego, Diego Comic Con, and then you have lo- more local comic cons that occur, and it's like it's. I'm like, isn't it? Wouldn't it be harder to bring the actual creators to these smaller cons, and it's easier to bring cosplayers into that? It's like a, it seems like a more like a logistic things, logistic and affordability too. Because you want to like bring big names in, like how much is it going to cost? Let me ask you guys a question. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning about like how it's like these really attractive people and whether or not they're fans mm-hmm. or not, and then and whether it's a draw for the audience. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember Booth Babes? Yeah, of course. Video games, E3, yeah. man, all that E3, stuff. Yeah, I went to E3 years ago, right? So, 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 Booth Babes, the whole thing was studios, publishers, whatever, they would hire women to wear skimpy outfits inspired by whatever it is they're doing for most stuff. And then, I don't know what it was exactly, about 10 years or so ago, there was a, a backlash kind of building towards that of like, hey, this is not appropriate. We're overly sexualizing not just the women, but also kind of our fans saying that. Yeah, but Laura, Laura Croft literally looks like that. <laughs> well, no, no, but, but that, yeah, that's one thing. So, yeah. so that kind of went away. Uh-huh. But in its wake, cosplay, professional cosplayers have kind of filled in. And I think the big difference here is that while Booth Babes were also professional models, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. they were hired for those specific events of like, hey, I just need five people. I need, you know, this and this. Whereas cosplayers are like, I organic. Am, a little I, bit yeah, more I'm organic. an entrepreneur. I'm going to be doing this myself. Uh-huh. I'm making my own costumes. I am designing this. I see what my fans want. My fans want more anime or they want more Marvel or they want more Star Wars. And they do that. Uh, and now with the evolution of TikTok, they're like, hey, I want to not just present the character that I, that I am in, in still motion. I'm going to mm-hmm. act like them or, or mime oh, some yeah. of their words. Mm, it's true. become its own little art form. Is it? Not only that, but there's also a whole... Like you said, industry behind it. Their fans, yeah. they have whole tutorials that they can sell. Like yeah. I made this from scratch. Here's my blueprints that I can sell you. Pe- Here's my tutorial. They people put them like, online for free to download. And yeah. like Etsy stuff, I've seen a lot of people doing like Etsy type stuff and doing 3D printing, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, can you make that for me as well? Because I'm gonna go to a con somewhere in I don't know Minnesota. Look, I've dressed um, up at conventions. Well, I've gone to conventions and I've cosplayed with, with myself or my son, and we kind of we go all out. Like we even for Halloween yeah, we do. go all out. You know, especially you see, long I, hair, especially long haired characters. <laughs> listen, like, listen, I have a wig right here. Look, <laughs> is I'm that not Android at the ready? Or... <laughs> at the ready, uh, but. Like I love it. It's fun. We get into mm-hmm. the like. Okay, you know what? What can we build on a budget that can get to as close as possible one to one with this? 
character that we enjoy, right? Or, or make mm-hmm. it your own. Make it my own, which yeah. I did. I was going to get to that. Or your own mashup. I mashed up Android 18 and Android 17 and made it like Android 17's wearing Android 18's vest and he's wearing shorts. And, you know, it's like he's on he's on vacation at Comic-Con. Android 67 or 11 or something? 11 like It's like, you know, but... If you make it your own, and so you okay, have so, things like so, so it seems like that critique that I it seems like it, it was a critique but, towards. Uh, but isn't it really it's fun for little kids? It's it's fun for little sure. kids to cosplay too, you know. Like, well, but the conventions, right. I think that the conventions are are big enough, not just on size, but in content that they can provide this extra because cosplay contests, cosplay mm-hmm. uh, presentations, pageants, uh, there's cosplay parties and discos and tutorials that people want to be involved in, right? On top of, like Kevin will chime here in a second, I'm sure, like everything else can live side by side and they kind of help each other, help the brand, help the, the character. And you know? the tianguis of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, Walter, the other thing you brought up was uh, whether or not this takes money from other parts of things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I think there's two aspects to it. Uh, Freddie just said it right now. The, the cosplay contest draws people in. The, yeah. I love doing panels. But every convention I go to, almost without fail, the cosplay contest... Are, 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 panels, are, are panels like the highbrow of... Of the of the event, you know, like oh, yeah, nerd, I'm, nerd, I'm, the very like they they, they are. There are. A lot of conventions yeah. will try to, to sell themselves as being like like sophisticated by saying, "Look, we have somebody discussing how representation in media is showing up in comic books," which they totally are, and it's a fun conversation. Yeah, but at the same time, time, they're like, "Hey, have fun in cool costumes." Jimmy know? does. Jimmy don't care. But the other <laughs> no, thing Jimmy is, doesn't care is the cost. You could not even even the professional cosplayers. I don't. I I've not asked them how much they make. But I cannot imagine that you could compare the cost it takes to bring in like two or three cosplayers uh, to maybe judge the cosplay contest, have yeah. uh, you know do this, probably give them booth space. A lot of places will say, "Hey, uh, we need some cut off of if you sell any photos, we get we get a uh, percent back to the to the convention." There is no comparison to that, and the cost it takes to bring in a celebrity, where you have to bring in you know the hotels and and the meals and and. Sometimes and cosplayers can be mostly local, right? There's a lot of local cosplayers. That's the idea. Yeah. There's yeah. some that travel around the country too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, professional cosplayers that we talked about, right? It's mm-hmm. it's it's a great thing that someone's playing dress up. When you look at someone's trajectory, because I follow some cosplayers, professional cosplayers, that you see their first cosplay is them building something from a thrift store, and you see the most recent one. There's like mechanical engineering yeah. involved with wings and lights and smoke Dr. machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, so wow, great. like that's very impressive. So the spectacle does draw maybe the someone that goes, hey, I enjoy this. And while we're here, you can shop. Let's look at some of these panels. But if you're spending 30 to 50 to 150 bucks a weekend just to get into this place, you kind of want to see it all, and you want to see yeah. the spectacle, and you want to see the the good looking guys and the six pack. But it's, 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 all, it's also it's also part of the like uh, we were talking about. What is it that Madonna does every five years? Reinvent um, herself. Reinvent <laughs> herself. Yeah. So um, that would be it. Because a question really, really when is when was the golden era of of cons or is the, or or is it coming are we in it or did it pass mm. like what? That, that's a question i'm not qualified to answer but yeah. 
But I will say this much. One complaint that I hear, whether it's about celebrities or about, about cosplayers, is the same complaint, which is, isn't a Comic-Con supposed to be about comics? Comic books. Uh-huh. Isn't it supposed to be about the artists? And I will admit, conventions that forget about the comics tend to get either bad press or just low turnout or don't last very many years. A uh, big example of that for me is, is Wizard World Austin. Um, it wow. yeah. really started like just disrespecting the artists to the point where I knew artists that lived in Austin and said, I would rather drive to El Paso to go to Comic-Con over there than go to the one in Austin. And I went, the, the only reason I even went the last year Wizard World Austin happened is because they asked me to do a panel. And I was like, all right, sure, I will. It was a ghost town. They had one professional artist, Rob Liefeld, and then they had several artists that were, you know, trying to get noticed, which is cool, but they didn't have very much of an artist alley. They didn't really have much in the way of panels, and they were charging you an arm and leg. If you wanted to see David Tennant, you had to pay a ton of money. But then your ticket was only for David Tennant. Because okay, so how much? Because I'm a big uh, Doctor Who. So then, how much do they were they charging? Well, like that. that's my point. It's like you couldn't just buy like buy a badge to the thing and then have access to specifically it. to David oh. Tennant. So then you couldn't go see uh, uh, who else did they have? They had Kevin Sorbo, I think. But mm-hmm. like you couldn't see you couldn't see other people that were up there uh, wow. because your badge was only for David Tennant. And I'm like, that's too much, man. That's that's, that's just taking it. No, much. you pay fifty bucks to get in, then you got to pay another fifty to see them for five minutes, and then if you want a picture, another thirty five. And you have to buy the book to do this. Like the guy, I mean, yeah, gets crazy. Exactly. And you know what is the alternative to that? Small conventions. Okay. The Latino Comic Cons. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite ones uh, in Austin, hasn't happened since the pandemic, of course, uh, is Staple. And I, I really hope they bring Staple back. Staple was a local convention. Mostly zines, was- right? Yeah, it was, it was zines, but the whole idea was that it was only Artist Alley. It was like an entire convention that was only Artist Alley. In fact, the only times they had panels were because I was doing panels, you know. Uh, it was they, they, In fact, the only celebrities they had were like webcomic artists. And I'm like, hell yeah, this is great. I, don't get me wrong. I love the spectacle and the cosplay because you don't get you get less cosplay at the smaller ones, right? I love yeah. the spectacle mm-hmm. and the cosplay at the big conventions, but also it's nice to have the smaller ones that just focus on the artists. I think if you have a big convention that it completely ignores the artists, that's a problem. But I think that there is room for both artists and celebrities and even more so cosplayers, you know? I think that it, the 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 big t- thing that most people I see have an issue with is the the concern with a return of the over-sexualization of it, right? That's the fear of like, okay, hey, is are we selling the the scantily clad cosplayers? To come only, to only fan end up only, end up at OnlyFans and all that. Yeah, is, is that what we're trying to attract, as opposed to the fans that will appreciate David Tennant or the Kevin Sorbos or the Kevin Garcias, you know, or the Javier Hernandez, like that would appreciate those those guests because you want but, the guests to keep coming back as well. But is it? I mean, isn't there an? There's so many cons that can cater for every little niche, so it feels like there's room for everything. Like even like the same. The same cosplayer that'll go to a much more adult uh, con, they'll they'll play it up and do it there. But then if they know that they're gonna be around little kids, they'll kind of play it down. I'm sure. Like people are people people can do many things at the same time. So it feels like it. So So here's the thing about that. Like, yes, there are cosplay that is sexy, but it doesn't have to be that. When I was at Comic Palooza last year, there was 
the woman who had a Venom costume that was like so it was supposed to be just like little bits of the symbiote on her. So clearly, you had a lot of skin showing. But when sure. I asked her about her costume, she was so excited. She wanted to tell me about all the work she went into and personally making it herself. Um, Hill Country Comic Con that I went to uh, in the spring or in the or almost a year ago, uh, it is designed for families in mind. So while there is cosplay that's kind of sexy, it's not really aimed that direction. Um, in fact, the only time I saw things that were a concern for parents was when I went to Kimo Kawai and they had specifically um, uh, drag queen and drag king cosplayers who that was self-identified using those terms. And they had their own panels and they had their own, and it was it was great. But some parents were like, oh, children are here. How can yeah, we have this uh, our children? Oh, the thing is, it's like, look, it's representation. We need more yeah. representation. And I think it's beautiful that Kimo Kawai invited them in. I think uh, actually that, that, that's that's actually that's an interest. I had never thought about that. It'd be cool to see. Uh, um, yeah, it's interesting actually. <laughs> I mean, I I'm down. I love watching drag shows and go to, to those clubs and because I mean, any, anybody that complains about stuff like that, like somebody else brought something up a, a while back. Um, it's like have you seen like a, what do they call pa pageant shows for little girls? Oh yeah, or, that's something different. Uh, there's a I forget what the, there's a term for it, but it's like. If you're gonna complain about this, you better be complaining about that too. You're like yeah. sexualizing, putting heels on little girls and pageants. And honestly, and it, these it's, it's, are it's, about it's, it's like the yeah, it's like star. It's literally the the origin story for star from um, the boys, right? That, yeah. That's that's her background, pretty much. So yeah, it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna about this, important, right? You know, and I yeah. think that there's room for everything. We can't at least I we we've always thought that hey. We can't look at someone and tell them that what they're doing with their body is, is wrong, especially like, hey, you're a good looking woman, a good looking man, and you're comfortable and you're not offending anybody. Hey, go at it. Right. Like you said, there's places for everything. There's plenty of cons for everywhere. We're not going to shame somebody for it. Right. You worked hard to make that costume happen. Obviously, there are extremes in every scenario. Right. Mm -hmm. If it's a place that, you know, is, like, is not going to it's going to cater to a bunch of uh, what is it? Um. Well, I'm blanking on it, but like my little pony fans, because they're releasing some new toy, maybe bronies. that's not the place to do that. Exactly. The bronies, you know, like it's not the place mm -hmm. for it. Like, you know, they're not going to appreciate it. It's not for them. So, you know, your audience, you pick and choose, right? Kevin knows artists know, you know what? That's not going to be for me, but I think I'm going to go to that anime convention. I do more voiceover there and I do some writing. So I figure I'll go there. Everybody picks and chooses. And it's yeah. comfortable. There's tons of stuff, but just let just, and, just like, let the algorithm decide for you. <laughs> Geekdom has room for everyone. Uh -huh, Definitely, yeah, yeah. Geek, you know, Geekdom spreads everywhere. It spread look very at our profitable, home. very profitable right now. Our so homes, look at our homes, our setups. Look at that. I have yeah. like my my wow. Disney stuff here, my my pops. Well, and speaking setup. of Disney and representation, let's talk about Miss Marvel. Have you guys watched Miss Marvel at all yet? Oh yeah. Mm. Let me go first. Okay, because again, okay. I don't know much about it, but I did. I, I was able to episode one only uh, okay. when I when I kind of you know logged in and stuff. I was able to watch with my daughter, and she's about to be three. She sat okay. down. She's she's like that show is coming in at the perfect time for her because she's at the moment barely starting to even consider uh, non cartoon stuff mm. on the tv because previous to this if it wasn't a cartoon colorful um you know 
bright, a lot of lights, you know, epilepsy danger. I don't know, like, <laughs> what do they call it when when they when what do yeah. they call it when they yeah. when they uh, ad, do advisories on on on, on warning, on flashing lights. Yeah, there you go, like strobing lights. If it's not that, if it's not like flashing lights, she wouldn't. She would start crying. But recently, anything with people, she's okay, cool. It looks so. She sat there and she watched it, and she watched it with my dad. And my dad was like, "Ahí comiendo sandía," and my daughter was there, and they were watching. And he was like, "¿De qué es esto?" So we oh, got three generations. Yeah, and it was nice. It's awesome. like, uh, and it's like, oh, es una muchacha que se pone un brazalete y no tiene powers and stuff. And I had it dubbed in Spanish, so it's even better. And and my wow. and you, and you know what the Love cool it. thing? And you know what the cool thing that that Hollywood is barely picking up on, and it's for not the right reasons money right it's like you put like literally you put that brown girl there if we're if we're, if we're gonna die distill her just to down to that you know and there's much many more layers to yeah, it more layers, yeah. but if you're just gonna put that brown girl my dad was the whole time she's like oh at the end of it she was like oh you pensé que era latina because he started picking up that she was like uh indian or, or hint i'm, I'm oh, assuming pakistani uh, in the show pakistani. there you yeah, go like, she, like i started yeah. picking up that she was indian but no she's pakistani um and I was explaining to my dad, and my dad was like, "Oh, entonces son musulmanes, y que no sé qué." And it's and it was very beautiful because you, my daughter, could still see herself in it because it's a brown person, you know. And it's like you're you're covering so many generations, so many, and so it was it was it was good. It was cool. I want to chime in right there because let's talk about the the art direction in this thing. If you can appreciate it, I, I have I I love film. When you look at how this is presented, talk about colors and cartoons and animation the backgrounds are giving you like a comic book they show you things that they don't have to tell you about they move the story forward it feels like something that my high school students would make if they had disney's budget a hundred percent that's what it feels like because i will because i will say this too did i did i like it did i like the story no, I didn't. I'm a I'm an adult. I didn't enjoy it. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. But I did. It, it kind of pulled a little string in in me watching my daughter watching a brown per, which is kind of like corny. But I'm not gonna deny it. It felt good watching that little girl uh, struggle going through that and all that, and all that stuff. So it it was. And again, if if my dad likes it, then you know you're you're you know my dad and my daughter were there liking it. So it was it was awesome. I I love it. I think yeah. it's so well done, and it did strike a chord with me. I teared up at one point, like, "Whoa, wow!" Like when her friends, her friend is so supportive. Like her friend is like the the person you need, right? Yeah, Bruno, the boy, yeah, the boy. Like he's yeah. like, like he's right there next to her. Like I'm gonna, you know, he's he's part of the family, you know. Like he's. I mean, but but is that is that realistic or is that? I mean, <laughs> I feel like being the teenage boy who has that female best friend that he's known for years. But we're getting there, right? Like it's, it's part of there. the story. It's getting. But, but what I'm saying is, but it's not just, just him though. The whole the whole community is supportive in their own way, right? Mm -hmm. Like some of them are supportive. Uh, for what she wants to do, some of them supported for who she is, some of them are supportive for what they want her to be, but they're all supporting her. I like that scene where the mom literally gives the 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 neighbor, <laughs> the kid, like food and like Tupperware, and it's like that's something that, my that mom like would do, you know? Yeah, it feels like home, you know. Like, no, but I like it because no. there are moments as a I was believe it or not, I'm, I'm doing a podcast and I'm in front of people, super scared of of coming out to talk to my mom and dad and ask permission to do something. That's a very Latino thing as well. Like 
Oh, hey, yeah. I want to go yeah, that was somewhere. A good, uh... I, I want to go out. He goes, "What do you mean you want to go out and party?" And this is like, <laughs> you, know, like... You, had a, you, you had a flashback and started sweating. Like, no, mom. Like, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. I promise. No, but no. <laughs> the fact that she had to sit there and kind of like, oh, you know, like meekly kind of ask yeah. and kind of, but she really wants it because she's a fan, and you feel that because we're fans, and you kind of go yeah. like, oh man, we know that excitement, we know that tingly feeling on your skin when you're like, oh man. I can go here. And then you're so scared to have your mom and dad say no. And then you know, sneaking out and sneaking back. Because an observation on there too, in terms of like, I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, actually like you would have to use a, 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 a brown. I don't know. It feels like a, you would have to go towards that culture to, to still find very, very, uh, very, como se dice? Very, um, Tra no traditional conservative yeah, yeah like that it, that whole thing it's like the immigrant experience uh-huh yeah it, and, and and it's and it's not only a a, a religion thing but it's a very protectionist yeah, being because exactly. it's your part you're not fully immersed in the culture you're kind of very protective of your kids so then it's like it's a perfect story it's a perfect character with the perfect you know with the appropriate background in today's age where you would see, because if you would think about it, and of course, like it's like it could be any, and it could be anybody, and any, any, anyone, but it feels like anybody that's much more, a much more part of the of this cultural community wouldn't go through that friction about let me go here, let me go there, like so that felt appropriate too. That's exactly why it feels right for people that are like ourselves, people that are mm -hmm. you know one generation, two generations, three generations back. We yeah. still have that connection. You know, and one thing that got me really excited about the show, and even more so after I started watching some some TikTokers talk about it, is like, okay, so this one woman on TikTok, she is herself the daughter of Pakistani immigrants. And she's watching the show as a young adult and enjoying it, but she's also super excited for her nieces who are going to be able to grow up in a world in which there is media that has people like them on TV. Um, one of the things for me is that Miss Marvel was part of a big push for Marvel uh, a couple years ago uh, where they were called it Marvel now, I think when they were trying to really get more representation and especially trying to, at the time they were getting a little bit of having creators who are of the background of the characters. Nowadays they're doing it through Marvel voices and they're really hardcore pushing in character uh, creators that are of the, the background of the characters they're writing. And for Miss Marvel's case, you have uh, the editor who was herself, the child of Pakistani immigrants uh, that could her have her story and the writer, G. Willow Wilson, who is a white woman who is Muslim, uh, also be able to contribute to um, part of this uh, atmosphere. And, and one of the things that uh, I noticed, and this is, I, I don't think this is intentional. It's kind of unfortunate. I feel like uh, Iman, the actress, the, the actor they have doing Ms. Marvel is perfect. But I feel like she's a little bit lighter skinned than the character is presented in the comics. And then we have America Chavez in Doctor Strange. And again, they have an actress who's perfect for the role, but a little bit yeah. lighter skinned than the character in the comics. And I don't, I don't think that's purposeful, but it's, but it's unfortunate. Um, but what's important to me though, is that we have a variety of stories being told. I was telling somebody the other day that this is, this is the first ever in the U S comedy action TV show with a primarily Muslim cast. You know what I mean? And they're not presenting the, the characters as a monolith. You know, we have mm. first generation immigrants. We have kids that grew up in the States. We have recent converts. 
Uh, we have uh, people that are not necessarily practicing, but are definitely cultural. You know, we have people that are extremely religious, like her older brother. Uh, you know, so we have this big variety. Which uh, is which is what I was saying. Like I liked it how my dad didn't notice until like halfway through the. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. You know that that he was oh so I thought she was Latina. Oh no, they're Muslim or whatever. And I was like oh, okay, cool. so whatever, interesting. Let's keep watching. So that was good. The one casting that I think is a little bit weird, and I feel like it's gonna be have a purpose at some point in the story, is uh, Nakia, uh, her best friend, who's also uh, a Muslim teenage girl, in the comics. Nakia is herself uh, of immigrant parents, from immigrant parents. And in this one, Nakia is white. Uh, so yeah, and, and I was going to ask about that because she's, I know that in the, the books, yeah, they, they changed it. I know they take liberties in the, the TV shows more so in the books. But she even, in the statement she said, though, was something reminiscent that a lot of people go through, though, even in Latino culture, where it's like, oh, well, my skin is not white enough for, for these people, but I'm not brown enough for the others you know so it's like i'm stuck in between both worlds that's exactly my life story man uh i had a blonde mother and and a more uh a darker skinned father and and it's like in brownsville i was that white boy and when i visit my family in kansas i was the mexican kid and the thing is i this is my theory i have no evidence for this and it's not my culture to to be able to say this what they're doing but i'm like okay so g willow wilson i mentioned is a white woman who is uh muslim and I think it's kind of interesting to show in the TV show that, hey, this is the first time we have this. We have a variety of different people from different backgrounds that all have these connecting uh, threads. Uh, I feel like they have this character who's almost kind of representing that aspect of Islam as well. And when I mentioned that to a friend of mine, my friend's like, I don't know if, if, if uh, G. Willow Wilson should be pushing that. I like, I don't think she pushed it. I don't think it was her. I don't think she had anything to do with it. I, I think like that, that part of it. Nothing, yeah. None of that got pushed. It wasn't like, yeah. Oh, you're super Muslim or like it's, it's, it was at the end of the day, a universal experience, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we have everybody from different backgrounds, different uh, uh, ethnic backgrounds, different mm -hmm. cultural backgrounds, different racial backgrounds. I think that's great. Uh, her brother's uh, wife in the, in the comics and in the show is an African-American Muslim woman. And, and and I think that's important for a lot of immigrant parents. Sometimes, and no matter what your immigrant background, there's that idea of you should be marrying somebody from our specific culture. And mm -hmm. her parents are accepting of the fiance, even though part of them still has that in the comics. Anyway, part of them is like, but, but no, but I accept her and I love her. She's a great daughter. But part of them still has that feeling in there. I don't think that comes up in the show, but it's like, it, it's still part of like a greater culture. The example I gave was like blood in, blood out. You know, it's a movie from the '80s where the main character is this like like me, a light skinned, half uh, you know, mixed race. Uh, oh, so you're Miklo. You're Miklo. Yeah. You know, and and as a and as a young man, I was really happy that this movie existed, but I would never have been like, hey, we need more representation for white skinned Mexicans. We need that. No, I'm not saying that. I'm <laughs> I'm glad it exists. You know, and I feel. I mean, like, look, uh -huh. life's a risk. I say. Right, that's, that's, yeah. that's what it's all about. Uh, but oh, Miss Marvel TV show, we're enjoying it. I think this is kind of ushering in, you know, Kevin Feige. Right, he has more yeah. of a hand now on the TV stuff, a lot more than in the beginning. He's been mostly involved with the, with, of course, the films. I had this conversation. I think me and Kevin talked a little bit about it. Me and Walter did too. How TV, the TV Marvel. Let's just start there, right? Because there's TV DC. There's other stuff too, right? And we talked about the boys that, you know, and of course we have Invincible, mm -hmm. all that stuff. But dope, Marvel right dope, now. All of it. Look, let's look at Marvel. Mm -hmm. And you're, dope, you're saying dope, dope, dope with those because 
they're grittier, they're darker, they're a little mm-hmm. different, right? But let's look at Marvel. Marvel TV right now, I feel, is coming into this like crescendo, if you would. It's like finally kind of finding its its place in within the Marvel universe. But the movies are kind of taking a dip where I feel like the movies, like Doctor Strange was okay. It's setting up for something. Again, or, or am I just being so uh, nitpicky? What do you think of Shang-Chi? I love Shang-Chi. All right. I thought it was great. Because Doctor Strange is in its by its very nature, kind of filling that little bit of Avenger hole that's that's there now with the Tony Stark gone of the oh, like okay. it's telling its own story, but it's also we're part of a bigger universe, multiverse, you know. Um, but Shang-Chi, while it's still part of that bigger multiverse, has cameos and everything, is trying to tell a new story. I feel like there's room for both. Uh, I feel like Shang-Chi is another one that did a lot for representation, uh, in terms of like this is a movie that would not have been made 10 years ago. And I'm so glad that now we have it. If, um, yeah, not at all. On the flip side of this though, uh, I don't, I have very mixed feelings about Eternals because that one okay. definitely told his own story. Definitely yeah. felt like it was unique. They had an Oscar winning director, although won the Oscar, Oscar after she directed it, still Oscar winning. Hmm. Um, my concern with it is aside from the fact that the movie is very, very slow and, and, and kind of has its own issues internally, is that when it was first announced, it was announced as being like Marvel's most diverse film. And they showed the cast and the cast was all over the place. And, and let's be fair, the Eternals were created in the 70s by a man who grew up in the 30s. Uh, so his idea of perfect people were all white at the time. And it, yeah. that was, that's no that's no knock against Jack Kirby. That's just the world he grew up in. Yeah. Um, you know, like he grew up a Jewish man in New York and yet he's writing about Christian blonde people most of the time because that's what was expected of pop culture then. So. Yeah. So changing people's ethnicity, background, racial backgrounds, uh, you know, genders, that's fine. The problem I had with the film is how they represented the indigenous cultures that they interacted with. So, mm. like, the movie opens with them going to Iraq 7,000 years ago, and boy, did those Iraqis look super European, you know? <laughs> and, and, and then there's a scene where they go to Tenochtitlan when the Spaniards are attacking and I swear I could barely see them in the shadows. It looked like they had them dressed as as plains nations. Like they, they looked like they were dressed oh, as wow. plains warriors. Yeah, if you say it, say it. It didn't look like. Okay, because what I will say about that is, I mean, I can get a sense of it's like, okay, yeah, whatever, you know, like, yeah, but they, they meant it. You know, they, they I, I can see that. I, Do you think it? Wait, 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 I no, no, no. Perate, perate, perate. I can, I can, I can understand that sentiment. Like, just let it be. But at the same time, it's like these movies no. have such big budgets. You couldn't get a motherfucker that knew what they were what? talking about. You know, that's, that's my thing. That's my, that's my thing. That's okay. my thing. It's like it, it's not, it's not Los Almadas that are making the movies. It's like <laughs> super. Like, there's budgets. Like, you can get a motherfucker. That knows his shit and can get you the right, you know. Every like that's that's my thing. Like I, I can. Okay, but how do you feel about this part? Mm-hmm. I told you that they had a big scene in Snowshitland, right? Mm-hmm. And then a little bit later, they are in the Amazon, and it says the Amazon. And when they get there, the people living there speak Spanish. And I'm like, okay, weird. All right, maybe there's a plot reason for that. But then two of the Eternals look at each other and say, "Do you remember when we were here, when the Spaniards took over?" The continuity like, killed you. Do, you. do you think Tenochtitlan, Mexico City, is in Brazil? Like, oh my lord! Yeah, I that's, like that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, uh... why did you do that? So 
here it's they are of... having a foot in the door of representation mm -hmm. and then not paying attention to what they're doing. That's why I'm super glad that Moon Knight, mm -hmm. for example, was the showrunner was Egyptian. Like, yeah, the main character was a Guatemalan actor playing an American who's playing a Guatemalan actor. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so, so he's, uh, he's a... Yeah, Oscar Isaac playing a, a American guy playing a British guy. Uh -huh. but, the show, but the showrunner is Egyptian. So they, he's really respecting Egyptian culture, roots, pop culture, everything like that going on. Just like Miss Marvel, the, the people running it are... You know, what I, you, know, you know what I like about Moon, Oscar Isaac? It's like, uh, yeah. it, it feels like he is a big enough name and he's a Latino and they're using, you know what? Like we could go get an Egyptian guy, but you know what? We're going to go with the more bankable actor, which it turns out to <laughs> well, yeah. be a Latino well, guatemalteco. And it's well, not well, isn't he, he's in That's Dune. He's well, in yeah. Star Wars. He's in, uh, he's going to be snake in the metal gear movie. I didn't know that. Okay. Look, yeah. the, char the character in the comics is a oh, white yeah. Jewish guy, a white Jewish guy who follows ancient Egyptian religion. So, Honestly, oh, they kept the Jewish, they kept the Jewish part of the character, and just it doesn't matter if he was white or not. That wasn't relevant. I mean, representation is always so, going to be a yeah, thing, it's cool. and it's, it's crappy that we think. Maybe do you think it was more like let's throw them a bone so they don't give us shit? Like I, maybe I it was. You don't think so? Because I feel like if the Eternals really cared, they would have caught that. Okay, honestly, I do feel that way about the Eternals. They also have in the Eternals one of the big things where they hire a deaf actor to play one of the characters. And I think it's beautiful to have a deaf actor playing a character. In fact, if that had happened today and they had cast Hawkeye for the first time, I bet you anything they would have hired a deaf actor to play Clint Barton. And I think that would have been fine. Yeah, in the comics, he's he's partially deaf and has, you know, you know whatever. But they could have had the character be fully deaf and they'd be fine. The, the problem with the Eternals characters is literally in their origin is that they can change their own DNA. They can change their own molecules. I, I love that Kevin's tearing this shit apart. Like, it makes no <laughs> sense. Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being deaf. I think there's nothing wrong with it at all. In fact, if anything, I would have said cast a deaf actor to play the Black Knight so that when oh, Cersei yeah. reveals to him, I have the ability to fix you, he could look to her and say, there's nothing wrong with me. You know? That would have been wow. beautiful. But having yeah. one of the Eternals be deaf feels like somebody cosplaying into another culture because the Eternals, by definition, can make themselves deaf or not deaf on a whim. In the comics, they literally change genders on a whim. They're like, you know what? So I've then, been a man for the past 200 years. I'll be a woman now. So then, for example, and maybe I'm I want to tread lightly on what how I say this. So if in the taking the comics into account, if we're being true to the the subject, the universe, you know, forget everything you know. This is the world now. This movie, they could the character would have spoken because that would have been the best way to communicate with people as opposed to. If the character wanted to be deaf, the character could make themselves deaf. And I think that the actor, I, I need to find the interview, but I think the actor was actually talked about this. And what she had said was that the backstory, not in the movie, but the backstory for the character was that she runs so fast that she didn't want the sound barrier to get in her way. So she just turned off her hearing. And I'm like, you know mm -hmm. what? That's valid. If they had That's said what I was that, say it could be a con said that in the movie, convenience thing, right? But they just they, they don't bring it up. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just never addressed. Um, and so it's just it feels to me. I know the movies aren't going to be true to the comics. They're never going to be one to one, and that's fine. Because like 
if you want to be true to the comics, every one of the Eternals is as powerful as Superman and Wanda put together. And that's ridiculous. You don't want to have that in a movie. It's it's boring. boring. All right. Yeah. But they don't have to be true to the comics. But there's the spirit of the story where you're like, wait a minute, what are you trying to say here? You know, what is the what is the message you're making by doing this very deliberate choice? You know, what is the message? I think because isn't that the whole thing now? Like every time you watch a movie now like this, Marvel, DC, what have you, what's the message? Because it's not just it's not first blood. It's not Rambo killing all the bad guys. It's there has to be a message. Peacemaker. It, you know, like mm. Do you guys watch Peacemaker? Yeah. I've only yeah. seen the first half of it. I haven't watched it all the yeah. way through. Right. But I could tell even what I watched. James Gunn is telling a story. Here you have a guy raised by a white supremacist yeah. who knows very well that the things he's saying aren't correct. He just doesn't know how to correct them yet. He was raised with his bigotry and he's trying to fix himself. That That's telling a message. Like, yeah, it's a fun, goofy explosions with blood and guts and rock and roll, but it's telling a story. Yeah. It's on HBO Max, by the way. It's really good. I enjoy it. I don't know, but I'm really going to check good. it out there. Definitely. John Cena. It's really good. Yeah. It's really surprisingly yeah. good. I swear I saw James Gunn's The Suicide Squad and I did not have any interest in Peacemaker's character. And then I watched the first episode and I was like, okay, I'm hooked. You're good. Because yeah. they, they humanized him. They showed the other side of it where he's trying to be a better human being. They humanized a bigot. What the hell? They really did. I mean, don't he's get me wrong. It's, it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I just feel I mean, like not, not a, since not not since American X or what's it called? American, American History, History X. X. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's about well, it. Maybe not that extreme of a race. Like, so then, are we looking at every Marvel movie can't be a home run? Yeah. It can't. It's just not going to happen, right? But they have a pretty good batting average. That's just a reality. But the TV so far has just keep coming up and up and up and up. I'm really appreciating it. I enjoy the representation we're getting with Moon Knight. Of course, Miss Marvel, I'm excited for that. Uh, I want to make sure that you know we do want to go ahead and acknowledge when something isn't doing things the right way. I think that it's valid. Like you said, hey, you know what? Okay, we can't just go Mr. Walter. Oh, well, they tried, but they they have a budget. They could yeah, they can do it the right way. I love that studios are trying now. Mm -hmm. Like they're actually they're aware. It's not just lip service, you know. Like yeah, remember, well, well, but, but but tell me this: is this is is it? Does it not feel like lip service anymore because you have actual people with the background that actually care about it? It's not just you know the. Okay, I feel like we need to address real briefly, comic skaters. <laughs> because okay. you can edit that out if you want. There's a segment of the audience that mm -hmm. declare themselves to be the true geeks and the true comic fans and everything else. And they're like, oh, you're only hiring people to be tokens. It's only because they're this and because mm -hmm. they're that. But I feel like the evidence proves otherwise. Miss Marvel is a great series. I was hooked every issue when it came out. The comic books, the TV series. I'm having fun with it. I, I agree with what you said, uh, Walter, that the first episode didn't really have a lot of, there was no bad guy in that episode. The, the problems that were there, she caused. And that made me feel like not super happy with it. But I did, I, but I appreciate though, that they're not just having people behind the screens that are, oh, of this culture, but people that are of this culture that have stories to tell and things that they want to get out there. No, I, I agree with you. There's always a message that needs to get out there in the appropriate way. And I think that like we talk about as things move along, things, uh, if we don't remain silent, you know, like we're talking right now about it, you know, and people are hearing it and 
people might say, yeah, you know what? You're right. I didn't notice that. Let me go back and watch. Oh, shit. Kevin's right. Damn. Okay. People like, say that every day. <laughs> I mean, but, I just I just, I just, just remember seeing also the Powerpuff Girls. They brought it. They're canceling it. They're, I heard some stuff about Powerpuff Girls, too. But um, but I mean, going towards towards going towards cartoons, right? I guess that's another thing that we wanted to talk about. So, like Powerpuff Girls is a good example. When it first mm -hmm. came out, it was like marketed as if it was for kids, but it wasn't written for kids. Mm -hmm. It was written for twenty. Mojo, Mojo, Jojo, <laughs> Mojo, Jojo. The uh, comedy yeah. in there is so mature. It's for adults, you man. Know? Yeah, uh, exactly. Dexter's yeah, Laboratory, like all that, all that whole era, like. Those were the outliers at that time. Mm -hmm. but now, post-Adventure Time, we have these cartoons that are, again, telling stories from people that are of, of different communities, but more so being allowed to tell those stories. Think about all the times that, that shows had to like hint at having LGBT characters. And now you got stuff like Steven Universe and She-Ra and others where flat out people can be who they are. Fictional people can be who they fictionally are. But yeah. like they can tell it. And it's like, yes, they want kids to watch this. But also, adults can get some meaningful entertainment out of this. But let me take the other side of that, right? Let me take the very, like, hmm, like the the Walters in the world. You want me to watch it, too. Because if I'm entertained, I'm going to turn it on. If I'm bored, I'm going to change the channel and watch something else. Because I'm going to sit there and babysit. And if the show's fun for me, and go it's good to, enough for I my can, kid. I can go to YouTube, like, there's a lot of shit on YouTube. <laughs> you know, like, you need me to watch it, too. Mm -hmm. So, as a parent... If I'm watching Curious George or if I can watch Steven Universe, I'm going to watch Steven Universe. There's a story. There's some depth. Hey, depth. guess what? There's colors. There's there's great message. That's there's very true. Cause, like, it's very true because con, con la niña, like, she got hooked on Mickey, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I, she got hooked on Mickey. And puro Mickey, puro pinche Mickey, 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 Mickey. And then... I um, nephew's first word, man. Oh, man. And, oh. and you know what the worst part is that... Like you go to the you go to the store and there's a bottle, or there's a, a una carriola, or is there's mo, there's a variety of products, and then there's all, always a Mickey option, which is like three times the price. And I'm like, nope, no, no, no. I started to like nothing but Rescue Rangers on Disney. Okay, I have I, I, I love, love Rescue, Rescue Rangers. Rangers, man. It's, oh, it's so that theme good. song, oh, that fucking a, theme song. Oh, it's it's so and, good. Tingles, and it's like, man. yeah, Tingles. and it's like the 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 la, the the la, la, la mujer, mama, la muchacha, gadget, yeah, gadget. Like she's she's like the genius, the MacGyver of the whole thing. And then you got the flying, the cheese guy, um, Monterey Jack. And, and did you guys and, watch the movie? Did I did. That's, that's what. That's, that's another, what another good example. You know, um, made for kids. Uh huh. Aimed at adults. That's 100%. what. Hundred percent. That's what I was aimed going at. at. Uh huh. They did such a good job with this movie. That's, they had yes. Dude, memes that my kids like, oh yeah, oh look, it's ugly, it's Sonic with teeth. Like it's Peter yeah. Pan, the mm -hmm. Peter Pan thing. Like yeah, that's the really that the background story, yeah. the backstory rather of Chip and Dale in the movie is that they are literally the age of the three of us. Like that's oh, literally that's what true. the creators did. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and and that's and, and <laughs> I, 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 Rangers? Yeah, no, no, but like Chip and Dale of the movie, they're not from the 50s and 40s and stuff. They yeah. were literally in elementary school in the 80s. So I'm like, yeah. come on. <laughs> they they know what they're doing. I, <laughs> I loved it, and and then the and the funny part is that a few like about three months ago, I started I started watching Chip and Dale's with the with my daughter, and so then when when the movie when I found out about the movie, I was like, has Disney been like, which is it's like now that we'll give Disney, yourself credit, 
No, 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 espérate, espérate. Now that Disney has its own platform, can they literally see who's what, what, what oh, yeah. people are watching? Oh, yeah. They have their own internal Nielsen's now. They push, don't even, yeah. yeah, let's go push that nostalgia button. Let's make a fucking chip and Dude, movie the fact so then, that Disney lets me yeah. watch Darkwing Duck exactly. whenever I want. And 90s X-Men, which is coming mm-hmm. back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes. Think about it. But, but like, what I'm saying thing is, like, Chippendales and, and these kind of things, yeah. they have this dual audience, which I think is not something cartoons have been openly able to do. Like I mentioned, you know, Batman the Animated it, Series earlier, that definitely had it, but again, it was an outlier. That was, that, that was awesome because, like, Chip, like Chippen, I mean, Chippendales, I liked it, but then now I got bored of Mickey because Mickey it didn't entertain me, but <laughs> Chippendales did entertain me and my daughter. But at the same time, going with Batman, um, Batman Returns, I remember my dad would sit and watch it with us because I was enjoying it and my dad was enjoying it. Yeah, see, a very, a very, yeah, yeah, a very serious detective story. But then you're back there just like, da, 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 you know, like, so, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Now he's going to so, meet Batman, you know that, yeah. right? On ice. So, <laughs> the voice uh, of Batman. So, I, I like the, the where we are, because I'd say I'm, gonna, I'm playing that role because it's it's legitimate. If, shit, man, look at these that, yeah. these these uh, shows that are popular right now because it's not just my son that's the key demographic, right? Twelve years old boy that wants to watch any cartoon. But guess what? X Men animated series. He's like, eh. it, he's like, eh. but oh, Steven Universe. Oh, this new show on Netflix we talked about. Remember uh, what's it called? Dead End. Uh, Dead End uh, Park. I haven't I haven't seen that one yet. Everybody's been talking to me about it, and it sounds honestly like something right up my alley. I'm gonna check it out as soon. Yeah, uh, he um he is so into it right now. Like uh, Terry Bloss recommended it on Twitter. Uh, I gotta get the name right, but uh, he started watching it. Uh, me and my wife were eight minutes into it, and she's like, "Okay, I'm in." Like immediately, it was in, and it's about a, a character that's trans. Uh, dealing with identity, uh, with the family issues. At the same time, it's about teenagers dealing with like getting a job and also dealing with like a horror theme that's more adult than you would like a stranger things meet steven universe like this is what adults me and my wife and my son can watch together and be enthralled about it talk about it and kind of have a, a connection with together like walter and his dad and batman mm-hmm. let me let me make a suggestion for you and i'm curious how your kids would react to it there's another Netflix cartoon that came out recently called uh, Kid Cosmic. And uh, season two just came out like a month or two ago, right? And Kid Cosmic, I feel is, it visually it seems like it's more, and it's, by the way, I think it's made by the people that made Powerpuff Girls, if I remember correctly. Uh, and okay. it's, it's uh, visually, it seems like it's aimed at kids. And, and honestly, it has a lot of that feel. But there is depth to it. You have this main character who's this little, you know, ADHD kid who's who doesn't have parents at home. He's he's raised by by an elder family member, uh, you know, who's not always all there. And it, and, it, and it just it spirals from that into a beautiful adventure. And the thing is, everybody is supporting each other. There are people of different cultures. Um, the the probably the most powerful member of the team is a five year old Latina girl uh, who has the ability to turn into giant man. <laughs> you know, That's and awesome. and the whole show for speaking to people of our generation is a love letter to Jack and, and Stan, the Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Like there are constant references throughout the thing, both visuals to stuff that Jack Kirby did and storytelling wise to goofy, that purple pro stuff that Stan Lee did. The, the show again is a dead end paranormal park. So I want to give that credit. It's really, really good. Uh, definitely recommend it. But 
you and me were talking earlier too. You know, there's another show that my son is a huge fan of. I think Walter may remember it. Um, Gravity Falls. Yeah, which yeah. I started watching. This that's week. like that's like X Files for me. Like, that's, <laughs> yep. and it's really it's really good, man. Like, but it's like goofy X Files, and, and yeah. that's that's fun. Kids and adults. That's what the whole idea. But okay, so another question. Like, we're talking about all the. There's so many platforms. There's so much content. There's so much representation that, be it genuine or lip service, it's getting done. It's going somewhere, right? Um, and there there, there could be hit and misses, right? Everywhere, but. Given the economy, the economy, like this whole recession shit is affecting everything and everyone. Netflix just recently chopped, put a bunch of projects on the chopping block. Yep. Like e even Obama's supposedly Obama was gonna do some <laughs> stuff with them. Nell, uh Hillary Clinton stuff, Nell. So then how that's obviously gonna start affecting like even um a lot of tech companies are fucking firing, uh, even Tesla's firing people and rehiring i don't know a lot of restructuring going on um so then what like is this gonna eventually force i mean it's already happening to where they do a lot of nostalgic stuff right because that banks on money it's a it's a short return to a certain extent you can at least get them in the first time if you fuck it up then but you you made your money how do you see it do you see bottlenecking in terms you know, of you know, what? You know? Here's, here's my response to that Everything, everywhere, all at once. I want to That's see that damn one. movie. Like, I haven't so, seen that one. So you're right. They uh, studios are going to cut back, mm -hmm. and when they put things out, there's going to be a lot of nostalgia stuff, remakes, sequels. But that's no different than it had been before. Yeah, it's just, it's just the amount that. of output. But when you have these indie indie projects like Everything, Everywhere, All at Once that are universally successful, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. Not every movie can be a Morbius, right? But, <laughs> but, when, but, but, when these, but when these little indie films mm -hmm. are going to be able to make not only a ton of money, but get a lot of acclaim, the studios aren't going to stop making them. Yeah, they're going to be cautious because of budgets or whatever, but they're still going to be made. But mm. do you think that they have, it's like anything else, right? You got to make your money so you can make the shit you really want to make. Like, I feel like that's still. The I mean, is that is is that really the 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 mo, mo of, of Even Netflix? Is in, minutes, yeah, you know, like look. like it but feels eight twenty four the Annapurna stuff. They they they're known for making look. They made that lamb movie, you know, about the woman that had the kid that's a lamb. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you kind of go like, oh shit, like I'm down for that. Or movies like I love indie films. That uh, one of my favorite movies is uh, a woman walks home alone at night. Um, it's black and white. It takes place, I believe, in Pakistan as well, about a vampire, a woman that hunts men at night. I need to um, watch this movie. It's, it's amazing. It's fucking dope. Watch it. Definitely watch it. For some reason, um, it makes me think of Let the Right One In, which was, I think, Swedish. It, it was, was North, Northern yeah. European. But then they remade it. Yeah, the with American a girl one from um, Kick Ass. She was uh, the, the main the main on that one. But Your yeah, word, movies yeah. like that. The, the film studios and the producers and directors, they make their big summer blockbuster, let's just say, right? They make their Transformers so that they can go, hey, cool, let me try some cool shit over here. Like, I think that there's still that kind of I mean, need for both. Th no? does it, th I mean, I guess what you're saying is that um, during, because I guess we're, we're, we're past the point where people would joke, like, anybody can get anything. Everybody's getting a show on Netflix, right? Um, yeah. Here you go. Just make it, even if it sucks or it doesn't. But I think it feels like we we've 
caught their attention and say, well, there's money to be made here. So keep I making mean, look, it, you know? Disney Plus can still do it. <laughs> like, look, yeah. they, they want to have a show based around Agatha Harkness, who is like a background character for most of WandaVision and the bad guy for like two episodes. And it's like, honestly, I love that. I love the character in the comics. I'm really excited for where they're going to go. But like, Disney's got Disney bucks. They can do what they want. No, but the thing is, yeah. like my son, right? He, the only nostalgia that hits home for him is stuff that I gave him to watch. He has no connection to everything else because he's like, oh, well, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's new? What's interesting? Like he has a connection because me and him bonded over Gravity Falls or uh, Adventure Time. Like those shows you mentioned, right? That hit a chord on both sides. So we have a correlation there that this show was good enough for both parties that made us connect. You're going to have a connection with your daughter watching Rescue Rangers mm -hmm. with you. And if she's old enough to remember that, she's going to have that's going to tug at her heartstrings. But doesn't mean that she's going to run out there and watch it. Oh, yeah, I remember that with dad. That was cute. I remember that. That's a, a moment. Because where's. Uh, yeah, she's moving forward. Dawson's Creek. Like, what is, what is that now? You know, like, what, what are all those teen dramas? The Kardashians? Now? Now, now it's not that woman. DMZ. It's. There's a new Roswell show, I think. There's a yeah. lot of that still have that feel they're, they're just small they was like really PS big like i remember in high school so okay yeah i mean i think that there's tons of stuff <clears throat> down the pipeline we can always sit here and do we can talk all night you know and we've been talking about it today i really enjoyed conversations tonight i really had fun kevin i mean your first time kind of running the show with us here did you have fun oh yeah man a blast always want to be with my primos man Always, always, primos, 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 primos. Of course, you guys can be part of the show, the conversation. Check us out. Remember, we have a Discord. Go in there. It can't just be me and six guys talking about alien <laughs> contact in China, right? That's real. That's happening. It's happening. Uh, let us know what your thoughts at my primos podcast Those on are social just media. Drones. That's a, that's all just drones, probably. The drones. The drones. Have you seen the Chinese drone fireworks where they have like all the creations? Yeah. And stuff? Like, it's fucking Spider Man No Way Home. It's Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Uh, it's it's um. Uh, what's his name? Jake awesome. Gyllenhaal and the freaking yeah. drones. You know, it's it's all like yeah. it's happening. But guys, you know, follow us online, of course. Chat with us. Let us know what you want to want to hear from the show. We're always open to conversations. Any hate mail can just go to Chikume. Just make sure yeah. you look for him, no, please. Good. He loves the hate mail. Uh, and Kevin, I mean, please take put out. yourself out there he's he's the face everybody he's now the face he's gonna be on all the stickers <laughs> the t-shirts kevin garcia I can, I, can live with that. I can live with that honestly it's it's uh it seems right it's time <laughs> it's time well guys you know kevin i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the uh the last lines here you know usually i let you come in and take us out but you you joining the family here uh say a few words to the fans man uh, and uh take us out representation matters fans matter my primos matter come back next week all right there we go buenas noches Adios. good night my friends <laughs>